Hello, active and inactive listeners, you monarchs here to behold this swelling scene. I'm Madeline Waddle, and this is my colleague and artist in arms, Dob. Hello. Tonight, we wrap up Much Ado About Nothing with... Do not you love me. And we're talking with ART newcomer, Courier-Gazette journalist and hero, Phoebe Gherkin. Plus the announcement of ART's next show. All right here on The Horn and Moon Presents. The Horned Moon Presents broadcasts on 96.5 KMU. Meow! The Cat. Bringing up-to-date arts coverage to Milford Haven, Padua, Verona, Elsa, Nor, and the unincorporated area of Rome. This Arts Week in Arden County kicks off with Claude Perkowski's Night at the Studio. This week is a work night for the Primrose Path Collaboration. Participants will be assisting Claude and the Green Folk as they assemble 400 feet of paper chain. Participation for this night at the studio is free of charge. Then on Friday, head on down to Neptune's Honey, where Peter Quince and the Ducat Five will be playing a set to celebrate the release of Pete's latest mead, Maddie's Special. Maddie, it's a mead just for you. You're a local celebrity. Well, Maddie, (laughs) aren't we all, though you might have thought it might have been Waddle's special. I would have thought that's what I would have called it. (laughs) You can become a local celebrity by participating in the latest crowdsourced portion of the Primrose Path, the monumental art installation being created by Claude Perkowski in collaboration with the Green Folk. The artists are asking the public to write a haiku to their shoes and submit it to Claude or a member of the Green Folk anytime between now and next Friday. You can also send submissions to us via email or on the socials. Just don't forget to tag the Horned Moon Presents and use the hashtag Primrose Path. All submissions will be used as grist for the mill in the creation of the Poetry Path being created in the Tarpeian Wood. The Poetry Path will have a grand opening in two weeks with a live reading of the community-composed Haikus to Shoes performed just as the moon rises. Also, exciting news in the calendar category. Tonight is the cast party for Much Ado, and everyone's invited. Actors, artistic liaisons, radio producers, and listeners. That's right. We're going to be back at Filario's Pizza Pie immediately following tonight's broadcast, and we would love to see you there. But if you can't make it out to Filario's, why not give the cast a little toast and shout out online? As always, when one art show ends, another begins. We'll be discussing what's coming up next after we hear from a Horned Moon sponsor. When you need legal help, trust the firm that's been helping Arden County families since 1892, Starveling, Snug, and Snout. Whether you need help to incorporate your business, prepare your final will, or settle a civil dispute, Starveling, Snug, and Snout are there for you with compassion, integrity, and know-how. Firm partners Robin Starveling, Eloise Snug, and Theo Snout stand ready to continue the family tradition of impeccable suits, both of the legal and sartorial variety. Starveling, Snug, and Snout, six generations and counting. All right, Dob, the time is now. Here is the envelope containing what's next for ART. That's right. Now, instead of interrupting today's interview, Mason will be joining us momentarily as we rip that on open and see what the future holds. First off, 
Waddle, you did apply to direct Pericles or hashtag Wadlicles. And I understand that all the finalists were contacted directly by Mason with some kind of response. Do you know what's in that envelope? I know only what concerns me, nothing more. Mason didn't think it would be fair for anyone to learn of their fate on air. Oh, a departure from last year. Yes. Well, I think some lessons were learned. Well, if you were directing, then you would know everything. The thing your brother is so good at is understanding that there are many possibilities and that everything doesn't just have to be a yes or a no. What does that mean? It means I'm not directing. What? No, this is outrageous. Everybody is ready for you to take the lead. I am assistant directing behind a more experienced director for my first go around. Now, that's all I know right now. Mason asked me if my decision to accept or decline that position would be influenced by the show or the director. And as it wouldn't be, I chose not to learn more so we can do the reveal on air correctly. Well, I'm glad you feel good about this. I do, Dob. I really do. Now, let's get to it. Any last minute predictions? Well, while I think Lucretia had a point last week, it may be too soon for another tragedy, and knowing that hashtag Wadlicles isn't going to happen, cynic that I am, I doubt Art is ready to fully commit to the artistic evolution that's been happening. I think they're going to play it safe with Jeffrey Baggett's Richard III. I can't agree. Richard is dominated by Richard, and what auditions for the last two productions have made crystal clear is that we have some dynamite women in ART, and it's time for them to run the show. Or assistant run the show? Or assistant run the show. So with that in mind, my vote is for Merry Wives of Windsor, helmed by the incomparable Kim Purnell. Comedy on comedy. Unusual, yes, but not unheard of. Mistress Page and Mistress Ford, strong, funny ladies that don't need no false staff. It's a slam dunk. I'm behind your reasoning, but that play is not my favorite. I'm not going to root for it. I can't root for it. But I will root for a female-driven production, whatever it may be. And now to find out just what it will be, please welcome to the microphone ART Artistic Les Hons. Mason Birch. Hello, hello, hello. Mason, what can you tell us about the decision-making process this year? Well, uh, this year, uh, we are dedicated to transparency and choices that are exciting and offer new opportunities to the art community. And I think we've done a good job of fulfilling both of those things with our choice. So in the name of transparency and clarity, uh, why exactly is Wadlicles not the production? Dob, I think we've covered this. That's, that's okay. That's okay. There have been many changes happening at art, and just as a bit of reassurance, shall we say, and uh, trying to hedge our bets, we want to stick with an experienced director for this next one. Oh, unlike this season. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess you could say that. Maybe we learned from uh, some mistakes. I thought you were a great director, and I am so excited to learn at the hands of a master. Well, thank you, Waddle. I'm, I'm really excited for what it's going to bring, too. I think it's just peachy keen. And uh, I have to admit, the show was really, very, really good. Oh, we got there. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That means a lot to me, Dumbers, really. Uh, but I guess what I'm, what I'm getting at is that when we dove headlong into the changes with the last show, 
which I think was a great choice and I think it did a lot for us. One of the consequences of that that we didn't really see coming is we didn't quite get the entire art community along for the ride with us and we definitely want them in the fold. I think that's a really smart observation, Mason Jar, and I am so sorry if I made your job harder. That was an on-air apology, folks. Mark the date. You won't hear that again in your lifetime. Remember today, little brother, it's a good day. <laughs> no, no doubles. I understand completely. Yes, that is true. And you didn't make my job so hard. You did kind of, but uh, bygones be bygones. I... It, it wasn't anything personal. I just really thought you were going to completely screw it up and take art down around with you. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. I got that. But, uh, you know, I would never let that happen. Not on purpose, you wouldn't. But your track record isn't the best. But bygones <laughs> oh. are bygone. You did. Uh -huh. You did a great job, it seems. You did an amazing job. Well, I am actually very humbled that you would say that and that you think so that honestly that that means quite a lot to me but i am artistic liaison and liaison I'm, what's that liaison yes liaison it's from the That's french right. dob yeah i'm not hearing a difference anyways as artistic liaison i guess i uh should start liaising so <laughs> that envelope please here we go yes here it is nicely and freshly sealed mm -hmm opening an envelope he's already read oh, smells like opportunity in fact i think he wrote it <laughs> the next production for art and radio theater will be pericles directed by barry straw yes <laughs> barry i'm assisting barry uh-huh wow you said the show and director wouldn't matter you did say that you did say that waddle yeah yes Yes, I did, and I meant it. Um, it's just that I guess I assumed out of a courtesy to me you wouldn't have put me with Barry. Maybe he just thought you were capable of acting like an adult and a professional and getting over your weird anti-Barry prejudice. Well, uh, I am an adult, and I am professional, and I appreciate has confidence in me and uh i have been seeing much more of barry recently and i am doing better about uh you know just swallowing back the gorge as it rises that is a visceral image that i'm not great with <laughs> poetic almost but i just want to say i i understand that there might be some initial tension but i am super excited about this we want to bring in new points of view we want to challenge each other and part of that is friction part of that is conflict and if there's a little bit of conflict here i think that's going to create generative tension and create another opportunity between you and barry and from this turmoil you could create wonders so i can't wait to see what you're going to do with it we absolutely will i guarantee it i guarantee it and i uh. for one am looking forward to what's coming next from art from you, from Barry, from Mason not directing. And what's coming next right at this moment is the final installment of Much Ado About Nothing, Do Not You Love Me.
I was in hiding, playing dead. I was readying myself for a life of unrelenting grief. You were being a drama queen. Yeah, that's sort of my thing. So, while we were sighing and brooding and crying, Benedict was, against all odds, becoming a poet. Pray me, sweet Mistress Margaret, deserve well at my hands by helping me to the speech of Beatrice. <laughs> Will you then write me a sonnet in praise of my beauty? In so high a style, Margaret, that no man living shall come over it, for in most comely truth thou deservest it. To have no man come over me? Why shall I always keep below stairs? <laughs> Thy wit is as quick as the greyhound's mouth, it catches. And yours as blunt as the fencer's foils, which hit, but hurt not. A most manly wit, Margaret, it will not hurt a woman. And so I pray thee, call Beatrice. I give thee the bucklers. Give us the swords. We have bucklers of our own. If you use them, Margaret, you must put in the pikes with a vice, and they are dangerous weapons for maids. Well, I will call Beatrice to you, who I think hath legs. And therefore will come. I am told he even attempted a song. Oh, yes. He still sings it when he's been drinking. The God of love that sits above and knows me, and knows me, how pitiful I deserve. I mean in singing, but in loving. Mary, I cannot show it in rhyme. I have tried. I can find out no rhyme to lady, but baby. Innocent rhyme for scorn, horn, a hard rhyme. For school, fool, a babbling rhyme, very ominous endings. No, I was not born under a rhyming planet, nor I cannot woo in festival terms. Oh, sweet Beatrice, wouldst thou come when I called thee? Yea, senor, and depart when you bid me. Oh, stay but till then. Then is spoken. Fare you well now. And yet, ere I go, let me go with that I came, which is with knowing what hath passed between you and Claudio. Only foul words, and thereupon I will kiss thee. Foul words is but foul wind, and foul wind is but foul breath, and foul breath is noisome. Therefore I will depart unkissed. Claudio undergoes my challenge, and either I must shortly hear from him, or I will subscribe him a coward. And I pray thee now tell me, for which of my bad parts didst thou first fall in love with me? For them all together which maintains so politic a state of evil that they will not admit any good part to intermingle with them. But for which of my good parts did you first suffer love for me? Suffer love? A good epithet. I do suffer love indeed, for I love thee against my will. In spite of your heart, I think. Alas, poor heart. If you spite it for my sake, I will spite it for yours, for I will never love that which my friend hates. Would it kill them to just be nice to each other for once? Yes. Thou and I are too wise to woo peaceably. It appears not in this confession. How doth your cousin? Very ill. And how do you? Very ill, too. Sir God, love me and men. There will I leave you, too, for here comes one in haste. Madam, you must come to your uncle. It is proved my lady hero hath been falsely accused. The prince and Claudio mightily abused. And Don John is the author of all, who is fled and gone. Will you come presently? 
Will you go hear this news, senor? I will live in thy heart, die in thy lap, and be buried in thy eyes. And moreover, I will go with thee to thy uncles. As your father requested, the prince and I arrived to mourn you. I have never understood what the point of that was. Once everything was out in the open and we knew what Don John had done, couldn't we just have told you the truth? There wouldn't have been enough punishment in that. You did look miserable. You watched me? How many people get to see people mourn them? I had to watch. Well, that's embarrassing. It was lovely. Lovely? As I recall, there were a lot of tears and snot and... It was unpleasant. But it was what I needed. Is this the monument of Leonardo? It is, my lord. Now music, sound, sing your solemn hymn. Death by slanderous tongues Was the hero that here lies Death in guerdon of her wrongs Gives her fame which never dies Died with shame, lives in death with glorious fame. 
Sing thou there upon the tomb, praising her when I am dumb. Now unto thy bones, good night. Dearly will I do this right. The wolves have prayed. And look, the gentle day before the wheels of Phoebus round about dapples the drowsy east with spots of grey. Come, let us hence and put on other weeds, and then to Leonardo's we will go. Hymen now with luckier issues speeds than this for whom we rendered up this woe. And then we left, to prepare for a wedding that I thought of as just another funeral. Everyone else was already happy. The truth was known, no harm was done. But for you and me, it couldn't be that simple. When I arrived at the chapel, the mood was the same as the first wedding. Everyone was ready to celebrate. Did I not tell you she was innocent? So are the prince and Claudio who accused her upon the error that you heard debated. Well, I am glad that all things sort so well. And so am I, being else by faith and force to call young Claudio to a reckoning for it. Well, daughter, and you gentlewomen all, withdraw into a chamber by yourselves, and when I send for you, come hither, masked. The prince and Claudio promised by this hour to visit me. You know your office, sister. You must be mother to your brother's daughter and give her to young Claudio. Which I will do with confirmed countenance. <laughs> Friar, I must entreat your pains, I think. Uh, to do what, Signor? To bind me or undo me, one of them. Signor Leonato, truth it is, good Signor, your niece regards me with an eye of favor. That I, my daughter, lent her. Tis most true. And I do with an eye of love requite her. The sight whereof I think you have for me, from Claudio and the prince. But what's your will? Your answer, sir, is enigmatical. But for my will, my will is your good will. May stand with ours this day to be conjoined in the state of honorable marriage, in which, good friar, I shall desire your help. My heart is with your liking. And by help. Here comes the prince and Claudio. I was not feeling festive when I arrived. Good morrow to this fair assembly. <clears throat> Good morrow, prince. Good morrow, Claudio. We here attend you. Are you yet determined today to marry with my sister's daughter? I'll hold my mind. Call her forth, sister. Here's the friar ready. Which is the lady I must seize upon? I didn't really look at any of you. I honestly didn't care. I knew whoever it was, it wouldn't be you. This same is she, and I do give you her. Why, then she's mine. Sweet, let me see your face. No, that you shall not, till you take her hand before this friar and swear to marry her. Give me your hand before this holy friar. I'm your husband, if you like of me. And when I lived, I was your other wife. And when you loved, you were my other husband. Another hero! Nothing certainer. One hero died defiled, but I do live. And surely as I live, I am a maid. The former hero? 
Hero that is dead! I cried then. So did I. All this amazement can I qualify, when after the holy rites are ended, I'll tell you largely of fair hero's death. <laughs> Meantime, let wonder seem familiar, and to the chapel let us presently. Soft and fair, friar. Which is Beatrice? I answer to that name. What is your will? Do not you love me? Why, no. No more than reason. Why, then your uncle and the prince and Claudio have been deceived. They swore you did. You winked at me and we laughed at those two. What would they have done if the rest of us hadn't taken charge? They can never bear to admit their feelings. Do not you love me? Troth, no. No more than reason. Why, then my cousin, Margaret and Antonia, are much deceived, for they did swear you did. They swore that you were almost sick for me. They swore that you were well-nigh dead for me. Tis no such matter. Then you do not love me? No, truly, but in friendly recompense. Come, cousin! I am sure you love the gentleman. And I'll be sworn upon that he loves her. For here's a paper written in his hand, a halting sonnet of his own pure brain, fashioned to Beatrice. And here's another! Writ in my cousin's hand, stolen from her pocket, containing her affection unto Benedict. A miracle! Here's our own hands against our hearts! Come, I will have thee, but by this light I take thee for pity. I would not deny you, but by this good day I yield upon a great persuasion, and partly to save your life, for I was told you were in a consumption. Peace, I will stop your mouth. How dost thou, Benedict, the married man? In brief, since I do propose to marry, I will think nothing to any purpose that the world can say against it, and therefore never flout in me for what I have said against it. For man is a giddy thing, and this is my conclusion. For thy part, Claudio, I did think to have beaten thee, but in that thou art like to be my kinsman, live unbruised, and love my cousin. I had well hoped thou wouldst have denied, Beatrice, that I might have cudgelled thee out of thy single life. Come, come, we are friends. Let's have a dance ere we are married, that we may lighten our own hearts and our wives' heels. We'll have dancing afterward. First of my word, therefore play music, prince. Thou art sad, get thee a wife, get thee a wife. My lord, your brother John is ta'en in flight and brought with armed men back to Messina. Think not on him till tomorrow. I'll devise thee brave punishments for him. Strike up, pipers. And so we danced. We never stopped. And so, it ends. What did you think, folks? I have to admit, I was very pleasantly surprised with what I'm going to have to admit is the very best ART show we have ever done. Is this the beginning of a renaissance for Arden Radio Theater? We'll see. We're wrapping things up today with an interview with Phoebe Gherkin. But before that, our line of the week. My heart is with your liking. Mention the line of the week at the Morning Lark Diner for half off their waffle of the week. This week, the diner is serving up the hero which of course is not a sandwich, but a sweet vanilla waffle stuffed with mascarpone and pistachios, drizzled with a delicate rosewater syrup and topped with a slice of candied orange. 
And now, welcome to our studio, the our very own hero, cub reporter for the Arden County Courier Gazette, Phoebe Gherkin. Hello, Phoebe. Hello, Dob. Happy to be here. I I just realized this morning, Phoebe, that you are the first and only ART slash Horned Moon first timer we've had this whole season. Oh, you're right. I hadn't even noticed. So uh, with that in mind, I guess it really only makes sense that we start at the very beginning uh, with how was your inaugural art experience? Overall, I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would, given that I auditioned to hang out with Diana, among other things, and that didn't turn out. But the show was really great, and Mason was receptive to my thoughts. Again, way more so than I thought he'd be, on how to use narration to keep Hera more present in the story and give her agency and make her a much more modern woman. Yeah, modern female agency is not really Mason's strong point, so I'm so glad to hear that he's learning. Well, like I said... He was very receptive and supportive and contributed quite a lot to making the modern woman hero happen. Well, and I don't think we've really talked enough about the novel approach to narration that this production took. How as an actor did that extra piece contribute to your overall experience of or interpretation of the role? It changed a lot of things. I think I originally thought I was going to make things a lot more difficult. This way of, am I playing two characters? But it actually clarified a lot of hero in the story for me to have this external view looking back in, I guess, or looking backward. Because um, seeing where Claudio and Hero end up five, six, seven years in the future showed me a lot about where they started in the way of Hero's really quite sassy in the narration, which I love. And it gives you this understanding that, sure, she's Leonardo's obedient daughter, but like, she grew up side by side with Beatrice and that's got to rub off just a little bit. So that was really awesome to play. And I think it also did a lot for the Claudio hero relationship because normally they're there and everything sort of happens to them and around them. But for the first time, I guess for me anyway, there's this, there's more to them. I was rooting for them as a couple in a way that I don't think I would have. I definitely didn't really in the movie when I watched it. So yeah, it gives you an opportunity to have this really great connection and heighten the stakes. And how is that connection acting with Waddle? I mean, I know she's got a lot more experience than you do, but she's also, you know, in a new sort of space, unlike, you know, Claude or Mason, who have both been leads before. Yeah, I really enjoyed working with Waddle, you know? She's my, I'm going to call her sister in arms, even though she's my cousin, but (laughs) for someone who plays such a sharp and sassy person, she is delightful and let me in with open arms and made me feel great. It's like your coven all over again, Waddle. It is. Well, what can I say? Covens, cousins. It's uh, one of the best things I think about working on an art production is the little community that you make within the cast. And it was such a delight to have you a part of it this time, Phoebe. Yeah. Uh, We're so glad that you joined us. I'm interested to know what inspired you to audition in the first place diana mentioned it to me and i gave her that sort of like yeah sure i'll consider it thing um but being new in town one of the very first jobs i had a first assignments i had was interviewing angus um for the lecture series and he just kept talking on and on about macbeth and how much he loved it, and it was so wonderful, and his enthusiasm alone was a big sort of point in the column. 
But also, when I first moved here, one of the first things I ever heard was your voices on the radio. And I kind of realized art was this hub of town. And I thought, you know, if I want to meet people, if I want to find out stuff, why not go straight to the heart of it, which art seems to be. Indeed. I don't know if I'm flattered or terrified, Waddle, that we are the hub of this county. Hey, you can be both. You can't spell heart without art. And we always <laughs> knew that. Uh, that was a little bad. That was a lot bad. But so true. So getting back to Phoebe and away from puns, uh, do you have much acting experience before now on stage or on radio? Nope. None. None at all. Really? No. I'm can't even lie. I mean, clearly you don't want to. I'm shocked because I <laughs> thought your performance was really amazing. I thought we'd poured it in a Broadway star that I didn't know about. Thank you. That's a little excessive, but quite sweet. I don't know. I've never been to New York. <laughs> I I think it's fair to say that you are a rising star in the ART firmament. Uh, and we hope that you'll be back. Do you have plans to audition for next season? Uh, as of right now, it's completely up in the air. Normally, I I mean, I didn't with much ado, but I'd like to say I kind of want to make the choice based on the play. But given that I knew nothing about much ado. About nothing. My guess is you can guess how much I know about Pericles. Well, I can just tell you right now, it is great. It uh, is indefinable in the best possible way. There are multiple shipwrecks, magical intervention, and the overcoming of many obstacles. I think you'll love it. Well, I will do my research and make my report, and I'm sure I'll get back to you as soon as I know. Though, Yay! speaking of, I do have to ask, speaking of doing my research on this, what's your deal with Barry? Should that give me some concern about auditioning? No, of course not. That is not going to come into the rehearsal room at all. It's just an instinctual and animal-like hatred of a fellow human being for no logical reason. He is, by all other accounts, a wonderful person, kind, generous, all that. So a low-key, instinctual, animal-like hatred. He's a great guy. He's a great dude. And, but you just hate him for no reason. Um, I can't be the only person that feels this way. I mean, hate is a strong word, but I just recognize at a deep level that we are opposing forces in the world. Like, surely you guys have experienced this too. Um, listeners, I'm sure some of you have experienced this, if not all of you. There are just some people out there that it doesn't matter how nice they are or how much you have in common or how much everyone else likes them. Somewhere deep in your lizard brain, you are just opposed to them as a matter of principle. Yeah, no, I can't say I've ever experienced that. Have you, Dob? Nah, um, I suppose there's one waitress at the Morning Lark Diner that I don't really like uh, to be at one of her tables. Her service is oh. good. I just, I don't like her. But I don't go around slandering her name everywhere, Waddle. I've not slandered Barry. I am totally willing to concede he is a lovely person. I just don't want to be within 10 feet of him, see his face, or speak to him at all. But you should really audition, Phoebe, because that is not at all going to be a problem in the rehearsal room, I promise. You'll just stay 10 feet apart at all times? Yep, and never look at each other or speak to each other. It'll work out fine. Well, that might be fascinating enough just to consider it. But 
I will do my investigation. So speaking of investigations, you are the cub reporter for the Courier Gazette, and cub season is coming up soon, I think. So what is the good cub news you can share with us? Well, as you know, Dob, they are currently hibernating, so it's a little quiet. But we expect to see them emerge in April, and then we'll see what new cubs we have this spring. Oh, I can hardly wait. I love the cubs. You know, they did suspect that Hermione was carrying twins, and there's quite a lot of support for naming them Waddle and Dob if that turns out to be true. I'm sure Wingtittle has a bet on it already. <laughs> Whoa, that is such an honor. During hibernation, though, I imagine you're kind of at loose ends trying to find stories. Is that yeah. um, is that what led you to the Lycordia number nine and your subsequent four-story series on the smuggling operations of the Centuria? Look, I love the cub beat. I mean, they're adorable. But I can't lie that my ambitions lie elsewhere. Investigative journalism is what I'm passionate about. And, as it turns out, I was tracking the final dens of this last year's Cubs when the Lycorda came to my attention. Thumbelina, Bear 88 as you might know her, actually dens in the, in the abandoned Pandora's mine. And it was while I was confirming that I just stumbled across a large number of people at the mine. From there, the dominoes just kept falling, and we unraveled quite the tangled kinderweb. Indeed, it does seem like new tangles are added daily. Mm -hmm. um, now, I've heard that some people get a lot of pushback when they look too closely at the Centuria. Have you experienced any of that? Maybe a little, but nothing I can't handle. Nothing of any consequence. I have noticed that you're a bit of a Centuria apologist, I'll call it, Waddle. Is there a story there? What's it all about? I mean, I don't think I would say I'm an apologist. That presumes that the Centuria have something that needs apologizing for. Um, I just think they are an institution in Rome, and most of Arden County wants to look down their nose at Rome, and that's simply unfair. And so until something's proven, um, I think we should give them the benefit of the doubt. They are a fraternal order, and everything that's in and around Rome isn't automatically garbage. No one's saying that Rome is garbage. I'm saying Rome is garbage. Okay, he's saying that Rome is garbage. I am saying we should talk about the Centuria. And I'm asking, you don't think there's anything criminal about the Centuria? I don't know. I'm not a member. Uh, all I know is that from everything that I as a private citizen do know, they seem to be a perfectly normal ordinary fraternal order just like the pessimists so and we don't have to constantly investigate them um so i'm not going to jump to assumptions until they're proven to be criminal so what would you say if i said i plan to take the centuria down and i don't care who else in arden county might fall with them if you can that would be quite the achievement anybody you ask in rome you're going to get pretty similar answers as uh, waddle here um, and whatever their purpose is, the Centuria run really deep here in Arden County. They have ties to Helicanus, what remains of the Tittle Tulip Corporation, and they have an ongoing contract with Bushy Baggett and Green Law Firm. I mean, many people have brought cases, have done investigations into the Centuria, and nothing has ever come of it, perhaps 
because there's simply nothing to come of it. There's nothing to bring the Centuria down for. I mean, if the late great Honorable Ben Roy couldn't make anything stick on them, I don't think a cub reporter can. Well, I won't be a cub reporter forever. I will be an investigative journalist. Speaking of, I have some questions for you. For us? That's you not... do know how an interview works. Yeah. And now it's going to be a different type of interview. This is how I work. You know this. Yes. Come on. So, Dob, you've been very public about your desire to see the members of the art board unmasked. How much of that has to do with the fact that the board is littered with former paramours and supporters of your brother Mason and that his installation as artistic liaison has only furthered the corruption inherent in art? Well, two things. First of all, uh, just statistically, they probably are, and I knew that already. And secondly, they're anonymous, and I don't know that to be the case. So, really, it means very little to me. Well, then, let's make it the case. The art board consists of no less than four people with prior romantic connections to Mason Birch. Kim Purnell... M. Dover, Braun Talbot, and Margaret Naples. That's no reason to embarrass anyone by dragging up their past mistakes with Mason on the air. Member Jeffrey Baggett has represented your brother in a few legal issues. He shoplifted when he was a teenager, and that should be sealed. And it is speculated that Herkimer Sludge has employed Mason for several, let's call them odd jobs, for Helicanus Corp. In fact, the only board member without a connection to Mason is Phil Rupp. And yet he is always, always hosting the cast party, again at his restaurant. So are you sort of connection. Are you applying that that's some sort of a kickback for Phil Rapp? Because Filario's Pizza Pie has been a sponsor and supporter of ART from the very beginning. Well, uh, I didn't and... use the word kickback, but I don't necessarily think it's the wrong word, now that you pointed it out. I'm sorry, but uh, why exactly are you outing the members of the board on air? And how People do we deserve to know? You wanted to know. But how do we even know this is correct? It could be pure speculation. We do it all the time. I don't. This is my job. And I would never speculate and lie to hurt someone. I'm not even trying to hurt anyone. I'm sharing the truth because I have a source that heard it directly from your brother. Evidently, his pillow talk covers a wide variety of topics. Diana. I'm not at liberty to say. What I can say is that your casting in the show comes as something of a surprise to many. Did you strike a deal with Mason in order to play Beatrice? No, I didn't strike a deal. I was as surprised as Waddle deserved that part. So after insisting that your brother was incapable of running art in a fair manner, you expect the public to believe that he handed a lead, one of the most famous female leads, to one of art's supporting actors and passed up those with much greater experience, those that both of you thought in the beginning were going to get the role. Why? Out of artistic inspiration? Maybe. Out of experience? Maybe Mason saw something everybody else had been missing. Maybe. And you were wonderful, Waddle. But that doesn't change the fact that maybe he was trying to ensure that he had some support at the Horn and Moon, knowing full well that you suspected him of underhanded dealing, that you also harbored professional loyalty towards Waddle. And wasn't Waddle supposed to direct this year? 
And weren't you quite upset that you hadn't been granted that position right up until around the point you got cast as Beatrice? Because your tune changed quite quickly there. Am I getting accused of something because I was a gracious loser? I mean, I didn't get the gig, but it wasn't necessarily something I knew I wanted. Other people really wanted me to give it a a try. And then Mason was a great director and I'm a big enough person to recognize that. I'm really confused about what's happening here. And I do want to say I'm not accusing you of anything, but I am asking a question because... I mean, your reaction to Mason's appointment was broadcast live to the whole county. It was the first Horn and Moon episode I ever heard. And, yet upon this season's return, you seemed wholeheartedly in support of what Mason was doing. Because he did a good job. He did a good job. Are you changing your tune now? Yes! I've listened to you all season. You never said that. I said it constantly. I just was always ready for the other shoe to drop. I kept saying I was surprised how good the show it was. It was one of the finest shows that I've ever heard ART do. And Mason has somehow actually treated everyone fairly and above board. If it's fair and above board, then is it just coincidence that in addition to Waddle, Pete Neptune, who is the board member Phil Rupp's son, was given a plum role for only his second art role ever? Pete Neptune is a born actor, and he will not be slandered in this studio. But you yourselves said that handing Wink Tittle, another known associate of Mason's, two of the most coveted roles in the show was a questionable move. Friend. Keeps happening. Friend. And what about you? You're an entirely untried actor, and Mason made you the lead. In fact, it took an entirely unprecedented approach to the narration and direction of the play that brought you central even more firmly into the spotlight. So what nefarious plot have you done to get that position? Could it be that you sat on this information until now in order to get and keep the role of hero? Were you blackmailing him? No, I am dedicated to the truth and the exposure of hypocrisy and corruption. I have been investigating Mason since he made his highly unusual casting choices, which, yes, I am counting myself as an unusual casting choice, but the pieces are just barely falling together. I haven't been sitting on anything, and I'm not trying to attack anyone. I care about Mason. I care about you, Waddle. I'm not trying to hurt you here, but I've also been listening, keenly listening to your show. And as charming as it is, let me tell you that it is a hotbed of lies, double standards, and frankly, underhanded dealing. I mean, you two are practically the centuria of the Arden County art scene. So first off, I don't count that as a slur because all you're saying is that we're a fraternal order of the Arden County art scene. But second of all, How dare you? Do you really think that it is appropriate to use your platform on this show to advance the business interests of your boyfriend while criticizing his competition? I, I did not do that. Boyfriend, what are you talking about? Oh, please. In addition to constantly bringing him up, you've devoted an entire segment of the show to forwarding the interests of And his I work. think that's all we have time for today. Thus ends this season of The Horned Moon Presents. Until we return, this show is our show. You've repeatedly denigrated his competition with Valmont. And the, these dogs are my dogs. Literally or figuratively, Waddle, you are in bed with- We're Waddle! And Dob. And this has been The Horned Moon Presents. 
Thank you all so much for listening to this season of The Horned Moon Presents. This show is an absolute joy for us to make, and I hope it's been a bright spot for you as well. This season featured Merlin Sell as Madeline Waddle and Beatrice, Caitlin Fowler as Phoebe Gherkin and Hero, Russell Matthews as Mason Birch and Claudio, Nick Christensen as Claude Perkowski and Benedict, Jono Island as Pete Neptune and Don Pedro, Tyler Dale as Wink Tittle and Don John and Dogberry, Tanya Benitez as Viola Cabbage and Margaret and Burgess, Jana Molina as Lucretia Paget and Antonia, Mike Lake as Benedict Mott and Baraccio and the Friar, Dave DeChristopher as Angus Mobile and Leonardo, and me, Marshall B. Garrett, as Dobb. We had guest ad reads from M. Finch as Mead Gander, Aubrey Whitlock as Agatha Valmont, and Charlie Johnson as Jasper Kane. Our music is all written by J. Andrew Dickinson and mixed by Eric Bostic, and we had some special performances by Russell Matthews, Mike Lake, Charlie Johnson, Mackenzie Wiegand, and June Sue. You can find a video of today's song, Claudio's Lament, on YouTube at Andrew Dickinson Music. Every episode was written by Merlin and directed and produced by me. We're going to be on hiatus for a bit longer this time between the Shakespeare's, but next season's Pericles is already in the works. Please keep your feeds active because we'll be doing some extras in between now and then. Please like us on Facebook and Twitter, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us, and please recommend the show to a friend. Now, fare you well, for now our show is done. Until next season, now much ado's a done. Ours be your patience, friends, and yours are parts. Your gentle ears lend us and take our hearts.